Hey guys, and welcome to the Busby Lane podcast. My name is Ugo, and today we're going to be looking at the current rebuild at Manchester United. You know, how is Ole doing? Bearing in mind that I'm recording this podcast just a day after the Arsenal loss on New Year's Day, I think there is um, some sort of negative feel across, um, you know, the Manchester United fan base. I think we're kind of on that uh, tread where we bounce between optimism and pessimism from match to match, depending on what the outcome is. So a lot of the times uh, when there's a loss, we're just one loss away, basically, uh, from melt from a meltdown. And I, I think it's a little bit unfair on the manager who, who has done a lot to to build uh, this team. So today I just want to look at the rebuild and, and see exactly you know, how we're doing, you know, and, and really take a, a step back and, and have a, a, a 360 view and, you know, kind of take a step back and and see exactly where we are and what we're doing, uh, what have we gotten right and what, what, what are the areas uh, that, you know, for improvement and stuff like that. So I just want to look at it, you know, through a different lens. I want to look at it from, you know, player development, for instance, you know, are there players that are improving, uh, you know, current players are improving during this regime? Um, some of the good prospects that we had, the likes of Rashford, Martial, um, Andre Pereira, all these guys um, that are prospects from either the academy or they were acquired in the case of Martial. You know, exactly how are they doing um, under this rebuild? Uh, we'll also talk about the academy um, what are we doing with the academy? Have we really, um, you know, seen any changes? Have we seen any improvement in the quality coming from the academy? Uh, and what are the things that Solskjaer is really doing um, on that front? We'll look at transfer policy, current signings that we've made so far, the out outgoings as well. Okay, so starting with player improvement, I think if you look at you know, Marcus Rashford, as an example, his, his you know, record this season is, is, is definitely crazy. I mean, he has scored uh, uh, a lot more goals than he has ever scored in his career, uh, which is remarkable. He's having a career season. Which is ama- amazing. Which is amazing for 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 Marcus Rashford. You know, it's 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 amazing that he's having you know his career season under Ole, and I think we can see what the improvement is in in Rashford's game. I think a lot of it is mental. A lot of it is having more confidence to you know drive on people to take shots. Obviously, he has been practicing practicing his shots, and you know they have been coming off uh, from time to time. Um, there are areas of improvement for his game i mean he needs to be um an all-round attacker so his um showing in center forward is not as great as it, as it is currently uh, when he plays off the left um i think he can develop that part of his game i think that comes with decision making um, and it's something that he will develop with time so th- i'm not saying he's the finished product or anything like that but i feel like there are ways uh there is some improvement in, in, in what we've seen between the Marcus Rashford from last season and the Marcus Rashford uh, this season. And I, I always did feel like, you know, both Marcus and, and, and Anthony uh, did stall a little bit 
um, under Jose. I think mostly because Jose brought in other players to play play that role. So they always came off the bench. So their the development has not really been uh, sustained uh, from the Van Gaal era, and as a result, it's you know it's kind of stunted their growth. But I think the the good news is that both Anthony and and Marcus are beginning to show signs that they they can be the prospects that we thought they were uh, when they bust onto the scene. Uh, And we can see it with Marcus having a career season. I think uh, Anthony is also going to have a career season as well because he's trending towards that. So... I think it's great in terms of player development. I mean, you can you can take a look at people like Jesse Lingard as maybe one of the negatives. I think he hasn't kicked on this season. Fair to say that there are other issues uh, with with Lingard. I think there are personal issues with him. It seems like his confidence is at, at an all time low. Um, he is not who. He, who we know him to be, and and that can that sometimes can affect the way a player plays. I I don't really agree with the the, the abuse online. He may not have the quality um, to play to to you know find incisive passes and and break the lines, but he does offer something else. You know he does press. He does give you that energy. Uh, not all teams have a ten that is necessarily creative. Some people play with a three, uh, energetic midfield uh, three that, you know, and that's where Jesse kind of fits in. He's not necessarily a 10 uh, in the mode of uh, Kevin De Bruyne or, you know, Christian Eriksen or any of those sort of players. So I think the abuse he does get (laughs) can be over the top sometimes. But yeah, he he might be an uh, an example of a player who hasn't kicked on. I think Andreas Pereira is a little frustrating because he has... Not necessarily improved so much, but we could we can see some improvement with Andres Pereira. I mean, he has three assists already this season, which is amazing. He has a goal. I think in the game against Liverpool was was a really big game for him, and we could see him grow. And I think maybe he does need time to to grow. Maybe he does need a sustained uh, run of games uh, because we can see that he does have the technical ability just needs to improve on his decision making a little bit and I think once he does that he could be the 10 we're actually crying out for because he he does have some tenacity as well in him to press and execute that kind of uh, play so I, I would say yeah Andres Pereira you know it is on a good track maybe not at the pace of Anthony and Marcus Jesse is probably the the one negative. And we've seen some improvement with Fred as well, right? You know, Fred has improved from last season uh, to this season. He he seems he looks like he's, you know, getting the run of games that he deserves. I think he didn't get that last season. I think settling in was a big big thing for for Fred. And I think he he looks more settled now. And I think we do have a, a player there that you know that that is now <laughs> you know a starter and. and you know, is required to start for, for our team, you know, first choice right now. So I would say, yeah, yeah, besides that, I mean, you know, you could you could take a look at people like Scott McTominay, who has improved. I, I think Scott McTominay is not, is not, just like I said with Jesse, Scott is not um, Jorginho or anything like that. But what he does is still very, very important. He keeps it very, very simple. He recovers the ball. He has great aerial presence and great presence. He has great mobility and dynamism to get around the pitch and cover uh, cover grass. He is our top uh, performer in that category this season, and that is needed. He's 
I'm not comparing him to Kante, of course, but that's what Kante, that's the role Kante plays for, for Chelsea as well. So <laughs> when you look at it, actually, um, you know, Scott has improved. I think a few times he's been able to switch play. I want that more consistently from him, for him to be more, to become brave. I think in, the, in, in a couple of games, he showed that bravery on the ball and tried to create, um, you know, some of our great counter-attacks um, actually start with Scott making some very simple passing that, that actually makes uh, that start of those plays or some of his drives. He's, you know, earned us some penalties this year. He he has been uh, an amazing uh, addition to the team. And and I think, you know, from, from last season to this season, he has grown it, not just uh, in terms of his ability on the ball or his ability uh, is also in confidence. He he feels more like a leader now and things like that. So, and these are some of the things I feel get lost in terms of what a rebuild is really about. And, you know how you change people's mindsets and what the cultural reset really presents. And I think that's something that a big part of what Ole is doing and a big part of what you know this particular rebuild entails. I know rebuilds are very very difficult and and everything, but. When when it's done right, uh, you see the the you see the the impact in the long run, and I think that's that's probably what's going to happen with Manchester United as well. Well, moving on to the next category, which is really, you know, what is happening with the academy? Are we getting? Are they getting any better? How are they performing? Um, and is there a pathway from the academy to the first team that is viable? Are we getting great quality from there and stuff like that? I do watch some of the academy games. I, I wouldn't claim to watch all of them. I, I do strive to watch them when, when I can. Usually they're shown in the afternoon uh, during work time, so it's a little difficult to get out of work just to watch it. But what I did what I, when I watch it and when I watch the highlights and, and try to go back and look at some of the you know, maybe extended highlights and things like that, or some some full games when I can. Uh, what I've noticed is there is an improvement between last season and this season. There's a clear style of play which seems to be consistent from the under 18s all the way to the under 23s. I think uh, the change change of the coaching staff for under 23s has proven to be very very successful so far. Uh, they're really doing well um, in their league, uh, bearing in mind that they are they got relegated into. PL2, so they, they don't necessarily have um, the the best, uh, you know, the best competition over there. I mean, they still, their level should be PL uh, Division 2, uh, sorry, PL2 Division 1, that should be the level, uh, but currently they're in PL2 uh, Division 2, so they need they need to come up. They, they need to, they need promotion this season, right? And I think they are on track uh, to doing that because they're doing very very well as of as of as of now. Um, I think they're either second or third in their league, uh, which is which is remarkable uh, from from last season comparing it to last season how they were performing last season. So I would say that there's it's it's great to. You know, to watch those games and see a lot of the things. I think, yeah, I think, yeah, I think from what I can see, they're second actually. They've, they've won eleven games, drawn one, and lost one. That is their current win record. So it, I feel they will, 
um, get promoted and they'll, they'll get better. And we're beginning to see some of the guys coming through from there. That's where Brandon came from. Uh, Brandon has been a revelation since he joined uh, the first team and started playing a few games. He, I think he's been... He's been the biggest surprise for me this season. I think with because with Mason, uh, I think and we'll talk about Mason sh- shortly because he's been remarkable as well. But with Mason, I think a lot of us had a little bit of an idea that he had that star power. Uh, with Brandon, it's a, it, it came as a complete surprise. I know that <laughs> some people, you know, have have been following his development. I've talked about him a few times, but I think the way he took to that first team role and the the way he has played, the maturity he has played with has been amazing. I mean, obviously, he there is a shout that he could be the best left-back at the club at the moment, you know, because with, with the way Luke Shaw has been performing and things like that. So that, that's how, how much of a big surprise uh, Brandon Williams has been. And and I think it's, it's testament to the work that, that is being done at, at the academy level as well. Um, Nicky Butt has been amazing. Uh, I know Manchester United has been struggling for the past six years, but... You know, a lot of the time people could ignore what's going on, um, you know, behind the scenes, and and I think uh, Nicky Butts and his his uh, team have done done great in that regard. I think recruitment is great on, at, at that level. We we, we have, I think, a, a, a decent pool of talent coming through, and I think when you watch their games and you watch the way they play. You, you know, you wish that that could translate to how we will pl- be playing in the future, and I think that particular clear identity that they're building right from that uh, at that level uh, is bearing uh, great fruit. You know, there, there are notable mentions there like Laji Ramazani, uh, Dylan Levitt. Uh, obviously, Dana comes into the first team. It's almost like a two-way player. Sometimes he plays uh, for the under-23s and sometimes he gets the opportunity to play for the first team and you know he's doing exceptionally well uh, there i think he's he he, he has I don't, I don't know six or seven goals something like that he you know really playing very very well as well so um i would say that the academy is doing very well and obviously mason greenwood um you know what can we say about that guy right he comes in and he scores goals eight goals um it's it's just amazing and he has scored winning goals not just any type of goals um there's there's a, a reference in basketball called garbage time where when the game is already won you bring in players and they start scoring goals but that hasn't been the kind of impact that missing greenwood has had um for us this season he, he has had genuine impact impact that is important for the team you know like a winning goal um, or, you know, coming coming to help us draw level or, or things like that. Like he helped with at, at, at Sheffield and, and then the, the couple, the, the, the games, the cup games where he has scored uh, the winners and things like that. So he's been nothing sh- uh, short of sensational. And I, th- I think we must give Ole um, big credit for the way he has handled Mason. Uh, the temptation to... You know, maybe bond him out, or you know, hasn't been there. He's eased him into into this. He's tried to control the hype around him just to make sure that you know, you know, Mason doesn't get into a lot of 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 like that. Mason doesn't get ahead of himself, so that the expectations weighing on his shoulders not as much as it should be. I think Ole has done a fantastic job when it comes to Mason Greenwood, and I think he deserves a lot of credit in that regard. 
I mean, it's frustrating for us as fans because that we can't see see uh, our team, our, our these players kind of play in the team, you know, as regularly as we want. But we we, we have to remember that they're young; they, they need to get used to playing this level. Now, look, Mason just got promoted from the under 18s um, to <laughs> to the under 23s just last year, right? So it's not like <laughs> it's not like he has the experience of playing week in week out, you know or playing the kind of men's football, as, as, as Ole likes to call it, it's not like he has that already. So it's very, very important that we understand that he needs to be eased into it. And so far, the results are great. And I think um, I think that, that actually kind of tops up, uh, tops off the, you know, the, the re- remarkable work that the, the, the club is doing uh, as far as the academy is concerned. I think... Maybe we need more midfield prospects from the academy. That's probably one area of concern for me. I think we need way more more people coming from the midfield side uh, and the striking uh, side as well. Yeah, um, I think Melo has done relatively well. Ramazani is, is an exciting prospect. So there's there's a lot to be excited about when it comes to uh, the academy. Um, now, in terms of transfer policy, I think that the 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 outs, you know, Lukaku, Sanchez. Smalling, um, Damian. Um, I think one way or the other, these players needed to go. Um, I think you know the biggest profile being uh, Lukaku. Uh, in Lukaku's case, I think I, I would never slag off Lukaku like people will. Um, I think Lukaku was is a decent player. I was I was so happy when we got Lukaku because I felt like, you know, this guy is a guy who scores goals. And in that first season he did score a lot of goals. Now the game when the game changes or when you change your style of play or you want to build around a different system, you don't need square pegs and round holes. You need players who can play in that system. The system that we that Ole wants to play, that we have played, that we've seen that is exciting, the interchanges that we see between Marcus and, and Martial, the way that the, the, the counter-attack breaks and you see uh, Dan James you know, going down one side and you have Marcus and that kind of um, relationship that they have. And, and, and check it, the stats suggest, I think, that the assist to... Um, between two players, between two specific players, I think Marcus and uh, Marcus and um, and Dan James lead that 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 particular stat because the number of times you've seen Dan run down the the touchline and 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 hit it to uh, Marcus, you know, it's amazing. They're, they're building that kind of relationship. That may not be possible with Lukaku just simply because of the the way Lukaku plays and you know his ability to to be as fast as these guys can be. So he 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 will he would have always been the odd man out in that particular attack. So and I want people to kind of realize that 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 you know it, so you know so Lukaku is Lukaku couldn't fit into the team. Uh, the way Ole wanted, and it's it's okay that he's doing very well. I'm very very happy for Lukaku. Uh, he he's found home, and I think Lukaku himself is grateful for, you know, the opportunity to allow him to go to a team that would actually suit him. And 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 I'm happy for that. And I think I think he's grateful. I think I, I did see an appreciation tweet from, uh, or an Instagram post that was an appreciation tweet from uh, post from Lukaku saying thank you to to Manchester United and and Ole Gunnar for you know letting him do what he needed to do and so that's fine and we should we should all be happy for him but you know are we missing Lukaku I, I don't think so per se personally I, I think our forwards have been great I think you know 
I want to see us continue to be dynamic in that way. It's part of you know how we build and establish our identity because our front, our forwards are really really deadly when it comes to the league. Uh, you know, very few defenders would want to <laughs> you know constantly face Marcus Rashford, Anthony Martial, and Dan James or Mason Greenwood. So I think we're doing very well when it comes to that, and um, I'm happy with what we we've got. I know we still need maybe a right winger. Um, or something like that, probably a Jaden Sancho type player. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, but but yeah. Besides that, I think um, I'm I'm fine with the outs. Uh, Chris Smalling is doing very well at Roma, which is great. We're happy for him. Sanchez got injured, so he hasn't really done much for Inter either. Um, I think the ones that hurt would be Ander Herrera because. You know, it wasn't really cool that we lost that guy. He's, he was really important for us, and we didn't replace him uh, to make things even worse. So I think the, the, the incomings, um, I think starting with Aaron Wan-Bissaka, you know, this guy has been <laughs> remarkably amazing, right? This guy is, you know, you can't get past him. I think Sterling, Son can confess that they, they don't want to meet this guy. Uh, you know, they, wanna, they don't want to face him. And I think... As part of beating City, and I, I think people um, tend to oversimplify what it takes to beat teams like City or t- teams like, you know, Tottenham or you know the Liverpools and things like that. You know, keeping those teams at bay, it does require a defensive effort as well, because even if you're gonna <laughs> sit sit on a you know on a low block and hit them on a counter, you need to defend properly. It's not like they're just going to. <laughs> you know, be moping around. They do have pacey wingers and things like that. So if Juan Bissaka is not strong enough to hold off Sterling, then Sterling would have an opportunity to wriggle wriggle through and, and do do some magic on, on that side and, and you know maybe get a shot in. So having having a solid fullback that is defensively defensively minded like like Aaron Juan Bissaka is it is actually a huge plus and a huge part of what makes us what gives us the capability to play that counter-attacking football that people talk about. I think people oversimplify or dis, they tend to this counter-attacking football, and I don't get it because it's exciting to watch. And we've watched, we, we've seen it, we see it with teams like, you know, Liverpool, we've seen it with other teams, with Real Madrid, with the great sides of, of, of Manchester United, with Alex Ferguson. And I don't understand why people slag it off. Um, we don't have the quality to break down low blocks Yes, uh, but once we get that, um, you know, counter-attacking football even becomes more exciting. I think that's why, you know, Liverpool is where they are today. So, but anyways, I digress. Aaron, Aaron Wan-Bissaka, uh, amazing, the Spider-Man, amazing guy. I think has been, you know, exceptional this season for us. Um, hasn't had too many mistakes. Um, you know, yes, we say he can improve his attacking, the attacking side of his game, because he... He started off as a winger, I think about 18 months ago, you know, from some kind of decision that they got him into the first team to play as a right back to cover for someone. I think for Timothy Fosimenta, actually. <laughs> and from there, he became like their first choice right back. And, you know, he performed so well at it. And, and now he's, he's a right back at Manchester United. So I think he does have room to grow. And that's what's exciting about... Um, our team currently is that, you know, as good as Juan Bissaka, Marcus Rashford, Anthony Marshall, these guys are playing, Daniel James are playing. 
and Mason Greenwood and all these guys, they have a lot of room for improvement. They're not at their peak yet or anything like that. So they're still in their formative years. They're still learning a lot. So they're going to absorb so much of what the coaching staff is giving to them. And we can see, you know, uh, Juan Bissaka got his first assist not too long ago. Uh, amazing cross. And I think he, he did put in a, a, some good crosses. Uh, one, one good cross in the Arsenal game, I think, as well, that, that Marcus uh, probably, you know, if, if it was a little bit more physical with, I think, Socrates maybe, <laughs> you know, gets gets it off. So, but I think we're beginning to see some signs that he can improve that part of his game. But Aaron Ampiscar has been amazing uh, for us this season. Uh, Harry Maguire has been amazing as well. I think people, people are beginning to question Harry Maguire. But Harry Maguire, if you check our passing stats, Harry Maguire is a, has a lot to do with, you know, the, our ability to actually control the ball. You know, a lot, I've seen a lot of times where the likes of Luke Shaw, the likes of Matic, the likes of, you know, even Scott McTominay sometimes are always kind of resorting back to Harry Maguire as a guy who can actually take the ball and even try to find some more difficult passes than, than, than our midfield can play. So I, I don't understand the... <laughs> the flag that he's coming up against. Yes, he hasn't scored a goal. He's long overdue a goal. He did score a lot of goals at, at Leicester. I think it's a combination of poor delivery. And and yeah, sometimes maybe, yeah, he's had opportunities that he could have scored goals and he's missed them. But I think a large part of it is just poor delivery. And I think as our delivery begins to improve, and I, which I think it is, because a few times now he's had his head on, the, on on some of the delivery coming, because now I think he's between Fred and Pereira. So we don't have um, guys who don't know how to put in delivery because Fred, I think Fred has a good delivery on him. Pereira does sometimes. Once we get consistent with the delivery, I think we'll get more chances for Harry and we'll see Harry score, score some goals uh, off his head. But I think so far he's been good. Yes, I mean, every defender will come come up against some player that is a little bit more difficult than you know than usual. You know, So whether it was yesterday when, when, um, when Lacazette kind of spun him or something like that. But yeah, those things would happen from time to time. So, you know, that's what football is all about. Sometimes the offensive player just makes a better offensive play and that's it. You know, so we chuck it up to that. But yeah, I think for the most part, he's been a steady um, uh, performer. Uh, I think he has done well. It speaks volumes that he's been given the captains and, and band as well. So I think... He's done relatively okay uh, without setting the world alight, yes, but he's done relatively okay. Um, Daniel James, wow. Daniel James, £15 million from Swansea City. Um, lost his dad, which is, which is very difficult to do. But he lost his dad, comes into to Manchester United, walks his socks off. His first stat... Well, his first sub appearance scores a goal, and scores an, if, a few more goals, and 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 is, you know, has six assists to his name. Like I, I don't know if people do realize how how big this is, and and you know how much how, um, Daniel James has performed this season. You know, he is our, um, he's leading the assist table for Manchester United. <laughs> Daniel James is so it, it does show how how huge uh, Daniel James has been uh, for us but and and that is he's not only the top assist uh, for the at the club 
you know, he draws the most fouls, you know, he gets hammered the most, he does get us, get us, you know, up the pitch very, very quickly, rapidly. Um, his efforts defensively is underrated because he does come back, track back and recovers the ball. He's, I want to see his, I, I would love to see his recovery rate, Daniel James, because I do believe that he has that ability to, to, you know, to recover balls, uh, better than most, um, most defensive players, you know, sometimes, right? I, the way he does um, his recoveries is is crazy. Yeah, he does have seventy two recoveries. That you know, seventy two recoveries. That's that's what he has this season. You know, he is he is very good when it comes to you know his defensive contribution as well. And I think that that doesn't get spoken enough um, spoken about enough. So I, I think when it comes to Daniel James. Uh, for me, um, I think Daniel James is probably the the, the signing of the season <laughs> for for value um, and for the contribution he's made to the team so far. I think uh, one of the reasons why I wanted to start this podcast was I I want to show what what's going on with a clear head because I think the frustration at Manchester United and the results and things like that does not highlight a lot of the things that are going on. And, you know, if I told you that Daniel James was going to be our lead assist guy in, <laughs> in January 2020, you, you'd never believe it. You know, 10, 10 goal contribution this year, that's double digits. That double, double digit goal contribution in the Premier League in his first season. This is it's crazy. Like, where do you get such stats? It's not always. It's not easy to get those stats. And, and we're just still in January because he's. I think he's going to give a few more assists and he may score some goals as well. Daniel James and his contribution has is is immense. Uh, what he does for us is great. I know. That I do understand that there are there is room for improvement for every player. Um, he can improve some of the decision making and the the final pass and things like that. But I think for the most part, uh, Daniel James has been solid. And I think um, for me, he's, he's the signing of the season. It's very funny now when you look back at, you know, how the transfer, you know, was portrayed, how the, the you know, how successful our transfer was portrayed uh, back in uh, back in August. Um, people would have said, you know, Arsenal had the best transfer window. Tottenham had an amazing transfer window. They signed Ndombele and all that stuff. And people were really, really getting, I think, ahead of themselves when it came to um, understanding what it took to bring, what it takes to bring a player and integrate them into a team and before they can become successful. I'm not saying that Ndombele and the Pepe's of the world are not going to be successful in the future, but I'm saying that it does take time and it's, it's, you know, you have to give credit for a team that is able to get get players integrated to to become top performers um, in the team, and and that shows you that how much we're lacking. It shows how much we're lacking. Uh, we're lacking quality. It shows that, that our top three performers in several um, categories. Because I, you know, I look, I look, I'm looking at it. You know, on on Premier League uh, stats when. When I look at the the top performers in different categories, uh, in goals is Marcus Rashford, in assists is Daniel James, in passes it is Harry Maguire, um, in tackles is Aaron Wan-Bissaka, in area battles one it is Harry Maguire, in clearances is Harry Maguire, and in the interceptions it is Aaron Wan-Bissaka. So it, it is the most successful um, transfer uh, window we've had. 
you know, since Feggy retired, because all the players that we have signed in this um, in the past window have you know, actually been our best players. Statistically speaking, I'm not even talking about subjectively, right? Statistically speaking, these players have been our best players this season. So um, it tells you that, you know, Ole deserves a lot of credit when it comes to this. The, the, the club does deserve credit in, with that transfer window. Of course it was shot. Of course we needed one more midfield uh, player or a, an attacking player, um, a more creative midfielder. I think there is room for improvement. And I think they're looking at that. But for them, they want to get... The, and Ole keeps saying it. I want to get the right player. I want to get the right player. So we have to be patient with Ole. We have to allow him to get the right player. Um, and I think that we're trending in the right direction. I think the rebuild has been um, has been difficult. It's been frustrating. We've lost some points that are, that are difficult to take. I think the loss to Watford, probably the, the most difficult of them all. You know, we've 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 lost from winning positions. We've come back and you know drawn games that we were supposed to win. It's been a very very um, emotional season uh, you know, with a lot of ups and downs so far. But I can see, you know, if you look underneath, if you look at underneath the all the noise and things like that and the frustrations, you can see that there's actual progression. And if you look at the games individually, the games that we've lost, the games that we have, um, you know, drawn. Uh, from from winning positions, for instance, uh, in those games, you know, it was individual errors, things like that. You know, sometimes luck. So I feel like when you really look at games where we've been completely outplayed or you know outclassed and things like that, I think Arsenal falls into that category. I, I do agree that the first half of that game we were completely outplayed. They had more intensity. They they came out to play. I think maybe the West Ham game was another game where. You know, we deserve to lose that one because we didn't come out with the right intensity as well. But I think when you look at the other games, even the Liverpool game, we didn't deserve to lose that game. You know, take away one silly mistake from Rojo and, you know, we probably would be the only ones who have beat Liverpool this season. So it, <laughs> it it's very, very uh, interesting when I look back and when you, when you take a step back and you, you kind of block out all the noise and try to focus on the actual stuff that uh, this guy is doing. And I think, I hope that people do that. That is why we have this podcast. I'm going to share my opinions, unbiased, um, undiluted. Um, I'm not, I'm, I'm going to use stats and, you know, I'm, I'm going to be very, very objective about the way I look at things. Of course, I do have my own biases. So, for instance, I'm not all out. <laughs> so, but but for the most part, it's it's about um, getting you very, very uh, in depth analysis and, and kind of talking through some of the issues at Manchester United. Um, I've thoroughly enjoyed this particular uh, episode. Uh, stay tuned for the next episode uh, coming by to you next week. And thank you very much for joining. <laughs>